0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of my Save Bet Show. And it gives me a great pleasure to welcome Mr. Richard Taylor, Senior management, Manager, Responsible Gambling at BetMGM, on the show. Great to see you, Rich. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Martin. Great to see you. How are you doing?
0: You might be the first guest actually that's ever asked that question. So thank you for that. Yes, I've been doing great and thanks again for being on the show and with your kind permission and I suppose when you guys are watching it with your kind permission, let's delve right into it because our friend Rich here and I'm blessed by the fact that Rich does happen to be a very good friend of mine. We've worked together for quite a while. He has a very interesting, very colorful resume. So first of all, let me ask about your career in the military of all places. So you were with the US Marine Corps between June, 2004 and June, 2008, having performed a variety of duties, before, including personnel and project management in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. First of all, and I appreciate that uh, I'm just a green card holder. I'm not a full, fully-fledged American, but still under those circumstances, I hope I can genuinely and honestly thank you for your service. It's truly appreciated by myself and this country. And perhaps would you like to talk a bit about what those days were like and what was it like to be in the heat of the action, so to speak, which, quite frankly, is not really fathomable for somebody like me who's never faced anything like this before.
1: Yeah, no, certainly. And and I appreciate the sentiment. Um, And, and, you know, if I could define my Marine Corps experience into a few sentences, I I would just say that it was the most impactful and uh, important four years of my life outside of being a father and a husband, Um, the lessons that I learned while in the service, the relationships and bonds that I built and the experiences that I had, particularly in Iraq, um, have shaped my life and, and I believe have helped me be a better professional in corporate America. Uh, and so to speak a little bit about my time in Iraq, I was deployed with the combat hospital in Anbar in 2006 and 2007. Many of you may recall that this was at the peak of, of hostilities uh, with the insurgency there and... This is right when the surge was announced, when they infused tens of thousands of more U.S. troops into Iraq to help bring stability <clears throat> to the area. And so to be a part of such a pivotal moment in the conflict and in such a profound way as, as serving in a combat hospital where our job was to support the naval medical personnel and saving lives and, and putting people back together and, and getting them to elevated uh, you know, care um, was critically, uh, you know, profound experience for my life, and and something that I, I look back on with a lot of respect and fondness, and certainly a, a, you know, it's helped me have a better appreciation for life now, um, having gone through that. And so, uh, I I view myself as fortunate to have been a Marine, to be a Marine, and to have gone through the trials and tribulations that one goes through at such a young age. Um, it it shaped me in a, in a pretty uh, important way.
0: Thank you for that and as I've said, those folks that you've helped saved the nation and I suppose the whole world, owe the likes of you the debt of gratitude for everything you and your like have done there. So if I may move on just like you have, having accumulated this invaluable experience in the military. So you moved on to work as a legal assistant in a construction and government contract law firm. I will not be naming the name because we're not necessarily in the business of promoting law firms or others on this show. But I'm sure those who know you will know who I'm talking about. But onto my question. So did that switch require the proverbial leap of faith? Or could you blend in quite easily? Or in other words, are there any similarities between being uh, part of the support staff and even having done some policing and everything else you've just described as part of the military operation and policing, if you pardon the pun, contracts? Yeah,
1: yeah, no, great question. Um, and, you know, I, I think one of the challenges of anybody leaving the service and going back into the civilian world is that that very thing, how do we... Take off the uniform and put on a suit, and go from one environment that is is in many respects completely different than this new environment, and be a contributing member of society. And I was no um, different than the many of my peers. There were certainly challenges that I had to uh, you know get through and navigate as I was making my transition from the Marine Corps into civilian sector. Uh, it's a little bit of a different work environment, as you may be able to imagine, but in many respects, my Marine Corps experiences and the tasks and responsibilities that I had as a, a Corporal of Marines um, helped me be, I think, a positive uh, driver of, of, of impact and, and and a contributor to the to the firm that I worked at. And I was very fortunate to work at a firm that understood that service and understood that transition. They were huge proponents of my growth, not just professionally, but personally, allowing me to take time off of work to attend classes at UNLV, um, allowing me to, you know, be present in my family and, and really develop my soft skills that needed to be developed as somebody going into a corporate setting. So, um, in many ways it was very different, but in other ways, you know, you're part of a team. You want to contribute to the overall success of the mission of the firm, just like you would in the Marine Corps. And really, it's just about finding the opportunities of, of how you can lend your hand and help the organization um, accomplish its goals. And I think when you frame it that way, it makes it a lot easier to go through that transition. But certainly, there are challenges. Uh, a funny story I, that I like to tell is the first Friday that I was working at the law firm, um, I started to empty out all of the trash bins around the firm. And my boss, the, uh, the managing partner at the firm, said, What are you doing? And I said, "Well, it's Friday. We have to empty out the garbage and take <laughs> it out to the dumpster." And he said, "There are there are you know staff uh, within the facilities that do that. You don't have to do that anymore." And uh, I, that's you know probably one of the um, most you know symbolic gestures of what I was experiencing and going through. Where I was used to that. I was used to taking out the garbage. I was used to making the coffee. I was used to cleaning the countertops and dusting the top spaces that you would do. In a marine environment, and um, you know, being told that you don't have to do that anymore is a, <laughs> a pretty funny moment.
0: Yes, I can imagine that going from the very regimental routine, everything's outlined in advance, to having free time on your hands and being taken out of that routine can't have been easy. And really, God bless the law firm that they understood all that. Then. Well, I suppose the next leap of faith, if you will, or the next transition was to the gambling industry. And of course, the bulk of this interview will focus on that. But what was the first moment? What motivated you? What was the trigger for you to move away from your military career, then transition via that law firm? And then was it all of a sudden bang on part of the gambling industry? Or how did that all happen?
1: So I'd like to say that it was a lifelong ambition to eventually ascend into the gambling industry and become a responsible gambling practitioner. Uh, But that's not how it went at all. You know, I did grow up uh, in Las Vegas, born and raised, and my parents were both in the industry. Uh, My mother worked in human resources at Harrah's Hotel and Casino there on the Strip. Uh, My dad was a teamster at the property. And so I have very early memories of my dad who worked swing shift, bringing me into the HR office uh, to you know, have my mom pick me up because she was getting off of day shift and just seeing the property and the inner workings. And at no time during my childhood did I imagine myself working in that environment or working in this industry. Um, but as it happened in 2012, I graduated from UNLV and the recession as many of you have lived through was, was really starting to take its toll on the firm and so they made the decision that they were going to be closing down. And so out of necessity, because I was a young father um, and had a family to support and take care of, I did what anyone would do. And I started looking at job postings. And there was a position at MGM Resorts that really stood out to me. It was to be the executive assistant to the VP of Community and Public Affairs for the East Coast. And while reading the job description, I came to the conclusion that I was not qual- even remotely qualified for this role but it looked like something that could be fun if they gave me a shot and an opportunity. And to my, my benefit, um, my first boss, Kelly Tucky gave me that opportunity and brought me into the organization. And, And from there, you know, as they say, the rest is history, but, um, it was one fortunate event after another that really led to the position that I'm at now. And I think that's the beauty of the gaming industry. Um, if you have the wherewithal, if you have the, um, Ability and if you have, most importantly, the um, want to to move up and to excel and do things, the industry really embraces that and they'll give you those opportunities and they'll give you the space to grow and to tackle new challenges. And I was fortunate to have a lot of leaders that helped me, um, you know, manage my career and, and get to where I'm at today.
0: Amen, man, rich, there's no doubt about that. You're a great ambassador for this industry and also for the record, I probably should be asking the question about childhood dreams more often because truth be told I'm yet to have a person on this show who would have said age five I knew I would be doing responsible (laughs) gambling for Caesars or MGM Resorts International or Entain I knew that I would cut a career in the gambling industry and actually I might have mentioned it on the show before so it's my case as well I've ended up here by, well, not hair hair, but at the very beginning, it was pretty much pure coincidence. Anyway, I shall digress. Talking about MGM Resorts International, well, needless to say, a great partner of Entain's here in the United States. You've already alluded to your beginnings with the organization, and then, having been through the Government Affairs team, you moved on to be one of the key leaders in the responsible gambling team. And I was originally going to ask whether this would have been sort of a natural progression, but let's stick to the pure coincidence theme. So let me ask you about one of your brainchilds, a program that has won many and bought and is still going strong, and that's the Life Rewards Military and veterans program so what's that program about and how has it been helping the vets in practical life
1: yeah certainly um you know as it goes when you're a veteran and you're out of the military and now you're in corporate america we have this natural pull to want to continue to support that community our community of of military members families and veterans and i was fortunate enough and talking about circumstances and coincidence. Um, during one of my trips to Springfield, Massachusetts, as part of the MGM Springfield project, I sat in a car with a um, you know pres- the president of New York, New York at the time, Cindy Kaiser Murphy, who became one of my biggest champions and mentors and, and really gave me a lot of opportunities. And she had just been selected as the executive sponsor of the newly created Veterans Employee Network Group at MGM Resorts. So, you know, in the car with Cindy Kaiser Murphy, the president of New York, New York, and she she doesn't just ask me. She basically tells me, you are going to be on the leadership council of this Veterans Employee Network group. And you don't say no to that and you don't challenge that. And uh, you basically say, absolutely. Where do I sign? And off we went. And as the, the chair of this group, she came to me and she said, we need to do something for the business that's going to be meaningful for the company, as well as for this group, the veterans and the military families that we serve every day at our resorts and properties across the country. And I looked at her and I said, I have no clue what that is, but let me go back to the group and we'll find out what we're going to do. And together as a group, we decided that there are meaningful ways for us to create connection and to drive loyalty amongst this group and to really tap into the esprit de corps and show them that we care and that we want to be the service provider for them when they're making their trip to Las Vegas or any of the regional properties. And so with that, we had this idea to enhance at the time what was called the MGM uh, MLife Rewards Program uh, with a military and veterans specific card that would give them benefits beyond what a standard MLife member would receive, and more importantly, would empower and enable our guest-facing employees The ability to recognize that card and have a conversation with these guests to ask them where they serve to ask them what their time in the military was like and most importantly to let them know how much we appreciated everything that they did and what their families endured during their service to our country and it was a quite the adventure putting that program together i was working government affairs i had no real clue or inkling about how loyalty marketing really worked but i was fortunate to have a lot of team members who did and who are able to help support and build a team that developed a program that's been creating meaningful connections with these guests for now over six years and you know i still get the emails about the program and, and the program continues to flourish um and to see it in action to be on the gaming floor to be in the in the uh, hotel and to see these members light up when one of our guest facing employees would would ask them about their service that's what made it all worth it and, and made it really impactful for me and and that's what led, honestly, to my role with Game Sense and responsible gaming. Um, and so without that opportunity, I, I don't get to do what I'm doing now. So I, I owe a lot to that program, and, and most importantly to Cindy uh, for giving me that opportunity.
0: Heh <laughs> heh. Clearly, the theme of this chat are uh, fortunate events in life, and we should cherish them. You can never know. So I would encourage everyone to even speak to their Uber and Lyft drivers. It may create interesting. Opportunities. On a slightly more serious note, I would be remiss in my duties to the industry if I didn't ask you about your collaboration with the great Alan Feldman, who the audience may recall, was the very first one that took a chance on me and did this podcast with me. And we're coming, genuinely coming nearly full circle today with Rich in terms of having had Las Vegas royalty. On this call, because we've had Ellen, we've had Beau Bernard, we've had Brett Abarbonel. And once uh, Rich and I are done, I'll be calling, calling H.R. Wilson or another representative of the Aces, and it will, that will be it. But <laughs> as I started asking, you know, Ellen Feldman, what would be, how would you describe Ellen in four or five words, ideally?
1: What oh do you think gosh. about that man? Uh... <laughs> That's a great question. There are so many words that I could I could say about Alan, um, but I think the most important to me has been um, mentor and friend, um, and you know he's the one who gave me this opportunity in responsible gambling, and and it, again goes back to this MGM Springfield project. That's where I first met him. I remember uh, Kelly told me I needed to go pick him up from one of the events, and we, we rode in the car together. And here's Alan Feldman sitting next to me. I knew who he was. I obviously have Google and, and look, look these people up. And this Titan of industry is sitting in the car next to me and he couldn't have been the nicest, uh, you know, a a nicer gentleman than, than, than who he is. And and that's the thing that I think, you know, is, is most important to me is the way he treats other people. Um, he's a friend, he he's empathetic. He takes interest. He cares about what's going on in other people's lives. And, you know, that translates, I think, perfectly into, into what he does. And it certainly has had a huge impact on me because everything that I know about responsible gambling, well, not everything, but most of what I know about responsible gambling, most of what I know about this industry uh, in some way or form was shaped by my interactions and my time spent with Alan and, you know, him giving me this opportunity to to get into responsible gambling at, back in 2017 um really set me on the course that I'm on and he's the first person I call when I run into a big jam or I don't know how to address certain unfamiliar challenges uh because he's been there he's done that and he's he's more than willing to help coach me through these things and so I owe a lot to him and I wish I could spend another 30 minutes talking about what he means to me but um <laughs> for the sake of this podcast and the other questions I'll, I'll I'll just leave it at this um uh you know he has uh, over the years, um, you know, reminded me and has really helped me understand what's important in this role and what we as an industry have to do. And so, for lack of a better term, he's he's the compass that helps give direction and, and help pr- provide me with what I need to, um, you know, do this role to the best of my abilities. And so, I, I appreciate everything he's, he's done.
0: That's a great way of putting it. I was going to call him the mentor in chief to the industry because that's what he's done for me as well. And many, many others. And I do recall our first meeting when he approached me and said, hello, I'm Alan Feldman and I'd like to have a chat. And I didn't know that I was supposed to take a bow or how I could stop the jitters. But just like you guys, we've become friends and I'll forever be grateful for that. On to MGM. you know, your latest career move, you drop the RI at the end of the name of the previous employer and added Bet up front, joined BetMGM, unless I'm mistaken, in September 2020, and these days you and the team manage 20 plus, nearly 30 jurisdictions across the US and Canada, of course, from the responsible gambling perspective. So what's your recipe? for, if there is one, for managing this level of complexity, because it's needless to say that all the states, I'd like to think, are trying to do the right thing, but they are coming at it from slightly different angles and every single regulatory regime has certain quirks and idiosyncrasies, which I suppose keeps us entertained, but that's what I mean when I talk about complexities.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and I, I think it starts with what you you mentioned during the question, and that's team. Um, I'm fortunate to have the best analysts, the best responsible gaming analysts uh, in the industry. Uh, I'm a little biased because they're they're my they're my teammates, but without them, none of this is possible, and we're not able to effectively execute on the mission of of responsible gaming here at BetMGM. And so, I'm very fortunate to work with some of the most compassionate, intelligent, and multifaceted individuals um, that I've ever come across in this industry. Our our ability to jump from customer escalations to creating responsible gaming education month campaign items to everything in between, um, there is no shortage of challenge within this space. And so without that team, I I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in right now. Speaking to the regulatory differences, certainly that that is a huge challenge, right? This is a state-by-state issue in the United States. And with that comes state by state challenges and different approaches. But in general, I think you're right. I think most of the the states are all trying to do, in fact, I I would say all of the states are all trying to do this in a thoughtful and sustainable way. So really it's a matter of us, I think having a, a relationship with the stakeholders, showing them how we do responsible gambling and what some of the best practices that we've identified are, and helping them understand Operate, how seriously BetMGM and other operators take this this topic um, and I think that's helped with a lot of the the past few years of new states coming on board new regulations being written is for us to be able to open our doors and, and show them how we do this how we approach this topic and most importantly how do we take care of our customers and so having that relationship and that dialogue goes a long way in establishing I think best practices that will help carry the day here in the United States.
0: And kudos to you and your team because you are, without the shadow of doubt, one of, if not the leader in the US space. In that regard, we will come on to talk about industry collaboration in a second, but you've already mentioned the Game Sands program. You're one of the biggest proponents of the program, and it's very fair to say that it's been uh, phenomenally successful. So perhaps for arguably those few initiated ones who lived somewhere in the cave with all due respect and would have never heard about GameSense. What are the key features of the program and perhaps a very potted history of its evolution? Because I can imagine that uh, it's been changing throughout the years since its launch.
1: Yeah, no. And and, and that's a, a great aspect of the program is the fact that it's continued to evolve over the years, but uh, the quick history would be that this was a program created by the British Columbia Lottery Corporation back in 2009. Uh, first, originally in, in casino environments, uh, they have GameSense info centers where trained GameSense advisors are able to develop relationships with customers, be supportive, and provide information and resources to them to help them get the most out of their experience while gambling at the properties. And, and the program has certainly evolved over time to address different challenges and based off of learnings, create new best practices. And that's one of the beauties of the program. Um, But for me, I think the most important part of why the program is successful is its tone and approach to a topic that traditionally has been very difficult for uh, guest um, service providers, customer service providers uh, to have these conversations with the the, the gambling customers and, and the guests. And so it takes a topic that's very intimidating and challenging and makes it something that our providers like, really look forward to and, and want to have a lot of fun in um, you know, explaining these things to the customers. And, and it's through the, that tone and I think through that, that vision that we're able to develop meaningful connections, which will result in meaningful play and hopefully harm prevention, which is the ultimate goal. Uh, And so what we've done at BetMGM is we've taken that program that's been so successful in those land-based environments, and we've made it a a digital version of it. So we're providing all of our new customers with GameSense welcome emails. We have the GameSense content throughout our platforms and applications, so it's accessible one click away. And we're explaining not only how the individuals can gamble responsibly, but what do the family members need to be aware of And what are the state resources and the the general local resources that are available to the customer? Um, And so through all of this and through our messaging and providing it in in our advertisements, I think we're making a real difference in raising awareness and hopefully leading more people to learn about the GameSense information and, and how they can bet in a sustainable way.
0: Absolutely. Having been exposed to the program myself, I can certainly vouch for it. Industry collaboration, I dare suggest that it's absolutely critical to ensure, or to the ability of this industry to ensure its long-term sustainability. You chair NCPG's Military and Veterans Committee. You've been a key member of the team, and thanks again for all your help, aid, and support that produced the 12 industry RG principles last year, and our group is still Going strong, I'm pleased to report. You also sit on AGA's RG committee, or we sit there together. So I suppose the big question I have in that regard is whether the collaboratives, the projects that are in place that we've launched, are they solid enough, or do you think that we need to be doing even more?
1: Well, I think the answer to that question is always, there's more that we can always do, right? Um, but I think our foundation is incredibly solid. And to me, what defines these groups is the fact that while we are fierce competitors in the field of business, uh, when it comes to responsible gambling, we are all teammates. And I I feel a strong uh, kinship to my responsible gambling counterparts at at the other operators, and certainly with you as well, Martin, Um, for us to be as transparent and open with each other about our practices and what we're doing, what's working, what's not working, that helps us all be better and protect an industry that I think we all care about and want to see be su- uh, sustainable and successful. Um, but but the foundation can only do so much. And so what I'm really optimistic about and encouraged about is the willingness of the operators to continue to uh, refine these relationships and build, I think, meaningful initiatives over the future so that we can stay ahead of these things and that we can provide an experience that, um, you know, is is as safe and sustainable as possible, and ensure that our our business and our industry is conducted in a positive way. And so, there's more to be done, certainly, but I, I'm I'm very encouraged by what we've accomplished thus far, and I'm looking forward to the road ahead as we continue to to get better.
0: And just to echo your words and the sentiment, it indeed has been an absolute bliss to work with our fellow RG professionals and some of them just like you have been victims of this podcast before and hopefully more of them will have find the time and have the appetite to do this before i give rich the by now i'd suggest legendary 60 seconds to convey his final messages i'd like to ask about las vegas as these days the undoubted sports capital of the world. So belated congratulations to the Knights and the Aces on their championships. So couple of questions. Do you think that the Golden Knights can carry their momentum into the next season and start a new dynasty, which has been proven rather difficult in the NHL of late?
1: Yeah, the answer to that is emphatically yes. And as a fan of alliteration, I, I can't wait for the dynasty in the desert documentaries to appear five to ten years from now, retelling the epic stories of how the Vegas Golden Knights just absolutely dominated the NHL over a long stretch of of time. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I took my daughter to the celebration parade after they won the Stanley Cup. And I haven't felt that that strong sense of community uh, around a sports team since the the Runnin' Rebels back in, in, in 1991 when I was about five years old. Uh, and, and that parade. So it, it's a huge moment for this town. If you would have told eight-year-old me that we would be blessed with so many sports franchises, with an a incredible facility at the T-Mobile Arena to house an incredible uh, hockey team, and now the Raiders, the Las Vegas Aces, and, and their championship and what they've accomplished uh, soon, hopefully the A's and, and an NBA team, which I believe it's only a matter of time. Um, I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, that, that was a the whole thing growing up is that because of our our gambling and, and everything else that we would never get these teams. And I, I think what we've seen is not only does it work, but it works very well. And we're providing some amazing experiences, sports fans from across the country and across the world to come here and to watch their team get beat by the Vegas Golden Knights and have a great time while doing it. And so for me, it's, it's been one of the, the coolest things to witness as a lifelong Las Vegas. And I'm looking forward to the many championships and, and teams uh, in the future.
0: I can't think of any better people, two people than you and Ellen to script the documentary, but yet again, on a serious note, just like you, I wouldn't have believed it even 10 years ago that a hockey team could be, could end up being such a great success in a city in the desert, but having been to a few Golden Knights games and hopefully we'll be able to do many more in the future having been there myself it's been breathtaking even and phenomenal how the whole community as you've said welcomed those players brand new sport and rallied around them and they paid back in the best possible way you know two Stanley Cup finals and lifted the trophy last year and I'm saying that as a Bruins fan but (laughs) I shall digress one final time and give Rich his 60 seconds to firmly cement his future place in the Gambling Hall of Fame. So, Rich, the floor's yours. What are the key messages you'd like to deliver to the industry?
1: Well, well, first, uh, Martin, I wanna thank you for bringing me on and giving me the opportunity to, to do this interview. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and most importantly, I've appreciated our, our relationship over the years as we've gotten to know each other through the joint venture and, and through responsible gambling in general. I think what I would like the audience to leave with is um, just just knowing that the industry takes this seriously, uh, BetMGM takes this seriously, but, I, but all of the industry takes this seriously. And there are a lot of very talented and intelligent people who are working every day to refine our product and to make sure that the way we present gambling through our sports betting applications or iGaming applications and in land-based settings in the most sustainable and safe way possible Uh, we genuinely care about our customers and we're doing everything that we can to ensure they have the tools the information and resources to make informed and empowered decisions about their gambling and we're going to continue to do that and we're going to continue to find ways to partner together to partner with other stakeholders to help ensure the sustainability of this industry Um, and so when we think about responsible gambling it's not a check in the box it's not about regulatory requirements uh, solely. It's about our, our whole per person, our whole customer view, and making sure that we're putting them first and giving them every opportunity to get the most out of their gambling. And I'm looking forward to continuing to work with everyone and to work with the stakeholders uh, within the problem gambling community to make sure we're delivering on these goals. So that's all I have, and and I'm and you know, thank you again, Martin, and I appreciate the time.
0: You've got a lot. Thank you very much for coming onto the show. I'm sure we'll be able to get Mark Stone to amplify the messages that you have just conveyed on the documentary that Ellen and you will be producing. I'd love a, have to piece, have a piece of that as well. But, ladies and gentlemen, you know, this has been Rich Taylor from MGM, great friend of mine and great. Industry Ambassador, my name is Martin Lechka and this has been yet another episode of hopefully your favorite safe bet show. Thank you very much and see you next time.